In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Carl Walker-Finch, who is the author of the book called In The Loop, The Secrets to Finding a Passion in Dentistry. Hence why the name of this episode. Now, some of the other titles that I also considered were GDPs Just Wanna Have Fun. And the other one that describes this episode really well, which I almost considered was Fall in Love with Dentistry All Over Again. Hello, Patrice Rati. I'm Jazz Galanti, and I'm the host of Protrusive Dental Podcast. This is a non-clinical interruption. We call this an interference cast. If it's your first time listening, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. The whole three or four years worth of content that you need to explore. But if you're a regular listener, thanks for joining us again. This episode is a bigger picture episode. This episode is kind of like a feel-good and an emotional exploration of your why and your purpose in your life and in your career. Some of the themes that we cover are things like imposter syndrome. My goodness, so I do get imposter syndrome less now than I used to, but when I get it, I get it in a big way. So we'll talk about how Carl experiences and, and how we both overcome that. Uh, we also talk about our journeys and moving to private dentistry and how we actually felt bad about leaving the public health dentistry and what that kind of looked like, our little roadmap. The other thing we discuss is how we both want to, we're both on a mission, Carl and I, to infect you guys, you listening right now, with enough positivity that you can head into work with excitement. In fact, the thing I love about uh, Protrusive and what it's become and, and you guys is the messages I get are kind of like in this vein here. I'm just going to read a message out to you from Oh Hey, it's Dr. Albert. Uh, Albert, thanks so much uh, for, for being a listener. You sent a really lovely message. He said lots of nice things and I'll cut to the chase. He said, I've been practicing for seven years and have been stuck in a lot of routine mundane mindsets that have been holding me back and watching PDP episodes on YouTube has gotten me so excited about all sorts of new things. Thank you again, and please keep up the great work. So uh, these messages which I get saying about how you're feeling more positive towards sensory, this is what it's all about, man. This is what it's all about, and this is such a huge part of what me and Carl discussed today. We talk about finding your why, but also why Carl does not like goal setting. So if you listen towards the middle to end, you'll find out why goal setting is not recommended by Carl. And, and a big part of this is mental health and not feeling like you have to be like every other Instagram dentist. Like you don't have to do that to be happy. There are other ways of defining your values and living your life and working your career in tune with your values. And what I love about Carl and his book, In The Loop, is that all the profits go towards Confidential. Confidential is a charity which is emotional first aid for dentists. So Carl, I applaud you, my friend. I think what you're doing in, in spreading positivity in our profession, much needed positivity, Positivity is absolutely fantastic. And if you guys enjoy today and the conversations and the themes, then you should definitely pick up the book. It's out from the 27th of February. Show Carl and Confidential your support. I hope you enjoy my chat with Carl today. I hope that you'll feel inspired to take control of your life and take a massive stride towards having a fulfilling career. I'll catch you in the outro. Carl Walker Finch, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm fantastic, Jazz. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it feels like it's been a little while coming. Mate, it's, it, it's, it's been great to see you because you're, you're, you're such a great member of the Petrucerati. You are the one that came up with the term Petrucerati. So for, for those who want the background, it was on the Facebook group. And I was like, ah, our group needs a name. It's just called Producers Down the Community. I think that we can do we can do it better. And there were so many different suggestions. There were some obscene ones. I'll have to figure out. I'll have to find that little thread on Facebook. <laughs> but I loved, I love Petrucerati. So thank you so much, which is why you've been sent a hoodie. Just, just show off your hoodie, man. Yeah, man, got my hoodie here, Whee! and it's Whee! not got not got baby sick all over it or anything. So yeah, it's it's been mine's usually treasured. got coffee stains on it. So 
yeah. you've done well. You've done well. No, uh, again, thank you so much for, for for contributing to the community in that way. Tell us a little bit about yourself, buddy. Tell us your origin story. Uh, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about a, a large part of what I want to talk about today is your book and what you write in your book because I, I love that so much and the charity you're supporting uh, and the great content is is the best dental book I've read in my life. I'm just telling you that right now. Okay, so I, I've read a lot of dental books. It's the best dental book I've read in my life. So I want to say that right now. Make it public. Uh, but tell us about you, Carl. For those who don't know you, uh, tell us your origin story. You're, you're very kind, Josh. You're very kind. Thank you. Well, yeah, so I grew up in Warrington, moved over to Liverpool for my undergraduate, my BDS, and qualified in 2010. After some ups and downs during university, got out into the big wild world of dentistry, um, started practicing in the NHS, did five years in the NHS to start off with, married a Yorkshire lass, and then moved over to Yorkshire. And when I moved over to Yorkshire, I was looking for these jobs. I was looking for NHS jobs and every NHS job I could find was in a corporate. And I've never worked for a corporate, so I can't really comment on what it's like to work for a corporate. It's crap. But it's at the crap. time... Sorry, sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs> a really bad awful frog in my throat. Really got, awful cough you've got. Um, <laughs> but I'd, I'd never worked for one and, and I didn't, I hadn't heard great stories and I didn't fancy it. And so I thought, well, what, what else is out there? And there was a private job going. Uh, practice in Huddersfield, well, a couple of practices in Huddersfield, and because of my background in dental implants, because I'd done a few dental implants by that point, it fit really well with where the principal dentist wanted to take the practice with regards to offering more things in-house, and so I got the job there, and I started working in a mostly private practice. Can, can I just ask you, can I just stop you on that, Carl? Yeah. Uh, when you were applying yeah. for that position, did you get like uh, something that I experienced when I was going fully private is uh, this imposter syndrome, like you feel like you're not ready to, to, to go into private. Did you have, did you battle with that? I get imposter syndrome most days at the moment still. It, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I, I had this trepidation about getting into private dentistry. I mean, I kind of had this loyalty to the NHS. I wanted to repay the NHS for, you know, all the help and support and the, the funding that got me through university. And, you know, I'd done five years, but I felt like I still wanted to give more. But yeah, I, I thought, right, well, the standard's going to go up. I've got to do better. I've got to do more. And and to some extent, that's true. Yeah, you know, people are paying a lot more money for this service. And, and yeah, you've got to offer a, letter, a better level of service. But I, it came to a choice of, right, well, do I want to sacrifice me and what I'm doing and the work I'm doing to go and work for a corporate NHS style environment still? Or do I want to push myself and raise my level to fit in and go, yeah, you know what, I'm going private and it's not going to be perfect straight away. Nothing ever is. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to push myself. And, and if private is all, all, it's, all it's cracked up to be, then, then great, I'm going to push myself to be at that level. I got in there and I was surprised at how quickly you adapt to the working style. More time, more talking with patients. It's great. You get to actually have proper conversations with your patients and connect Proper with relationships them. as well. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, there will be those that can argue you, you can do that on the NHS to some extent. And, you know, I always tried to connect with my patients when I was working mostly in the NHS. But I, I really get to, to dedicate pretty much as much time as I want to or need to, to every patient, you know, if they're anxious, they just get more time and that's fine. Yeah, whatever it is, it just, just you can do whatever you need to do for your patients. The thing that I found most liberating is not being confined by what the system can dictate you can and cannot do uh, and just like forgetting about it. So now when I'm on Facebook and I'm scrolling through the dental groups, anything that's about 
what does the system say can be done or what the system is allowed or not. I just, I can just, I can smile and just skip right past that. I'm not giving that yeah. any of my time and attention. So in the same way, it felt liberated, like the shackles had been broken because now mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking, okay, this patient needs uh, three root canals, four crowns. Uh, I might as well work at Tesco's uh, versus also trying to then, unfortunately, this, this, I'm just speaking the truth and uh, trying to think, okay, how can I work smarter here so that it, it, it puts me in my practice in a, in a better situation in terms of how how much time is spent in the chair. Those are kind of real thoughts that happen every single day. And let's face it. So having to not think about that and having to just, just to think, how can I help the patient now? Of course, in the real world, in private dentistry, uh, you have budgetary constraints that every patient carries with them. But that is part and parcel of, of any service that you provide. But that is a much nicer challenge to have and a nicer problem to have than working in a, in a confined environment. I, I, that's the biggest benefit, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the other thing for me was not, I had this, I had this real difficulty doing what what I felt was sales, selling private treatment to patients uh, when I was on the NHS. And I'd be like, well, I can do this crown for you for 200 and, was it 246 pounds or something. And with the, when I was last in the NHS, that's, I don't know what the band three is now, but um, yeah, I, going, well, yeah, yeah. But then going, well, I could do it privately for you for 400 pounds. Well, why would I do it privately? I don't know, it might be a slightly nicer crown, but the reality was I wasn't really <laughs> likely to be doing an awful lot more than I would. And, and I, I just I felt really conflicted I hated by that it. so much, Carl. And the same with the root canal. I don't know how our colleagues do this, and some are great at doing it, uh, about, oh, you can have the NHS root canal, you can have the private root canal. In the private, I get to use this fancy equipment, the electric mm. equipment. I, I Wow, I mean, that is a shaky territory, uh, and I didn't want to go in that. I'd never, ever have done a private root canal whilst in mixed practice. I just couldn't do it mm-hmm. because... For me, it was like, well, you either do the root canal or you don't. So anyway, that's why me and you didn't make great NHS dentists. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know. And, and you know what? I enjoyed my time working as an NHS dentist. And I enjoy my time working as a private dentist. And I've had highs mm-hmm. and lows in both. But now I would really struggle if I had to go back into a fully NHS or a nearly fully NHS environment. I honestly would. I don't, I don't think I could do it. I couldn't do the job justice and I have a great deal of admiration for anybody who can um, because it's 100%. it's a hard job you guys are the uh, I mean the, the dentist that um, and, and you know what I, I should give myself a slap on the wrist because James I'm not going to say your surname I'm not going to embarrass you but James uh, I had a, a nice beer with you one day and you told me off in a nice way for, for calling uh, calling out NHS dentists and calling them NHS dentists and you're not mm-hmm. a, you're just a dentist who chooses to work under yeah. a contract so uh, I give myself a slap there's no such thing as NHS dentist it's just a dentist who chooses to work under that contract and you're right and for those dentists who choose to work in an NHS contract you guys are doing an amazing service keep it up in a good way but if if you feel as though you need to change course, then you should. And maybe maybe this episode will inspire you. Maybe Carl and my experiences are, is going to uh, hopefully help you along the journey. We're always uh, easy to reach on the Protrusive Down community. Uh, check us out on Facebook. But I want to take this direction of the podcast. I just want to do a little bit of celebration uh, of, of your book, Carl. So please uh, <laughs> tell us about your book. And then I'm going to pick apart because uh, a few of my favorite chapters, a few of my favorite sentences. Uh, I want to just get you to speak a little bit more about that. So just tell us about uh, your book because at the time, uh, me and you connected, uh, I was also writing a book. I'm happy to share the name of my unwritten book. It's called The Bit Between Your Teeth. I was really proud of it. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your book, Carl, because you've done far more than I ever could. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the point of the, I mean, the book, I'll say just to, to segue in from the last point, I've, I've not differentiated between NHS and private within the book, you know, dentists are dentists. And 
my career, as I said, has been up and down as a dentist. I've been qualified like 11 years now. And I've had times where I've, I've, I've had that feeling, that dread all weekend about knowing that I've got to go back into work on Monday morning and get through another week of work. And, you know, I'm not relating that to any, any NHS or private. This is just, I had this, this dread, that thought. I've not always loved being a dentist. I've not always loved being in dentistry. I do now. I love the fact that we get to help people every day. I love the fact that, you know, we've got to have this knowledge, this skill, this passion, this, this intense attention to detail, the perfectionism, the challenge that every different case brings. And the fact that we can make a big difference to people's lives. I love it. I really do. But it's not always been that way. And a few years ago, I started listening to these personal development books on Audible, reading a load of stuff. All these great people, Steph Godin, Dan Pink, Austin Cleon. I'm looking up at my bookshelf now. So Simon Sinek. There's there's a lot of uh, Simon Sinek I can sense uh, in your book. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It is. And, and, And all of these things, I say, wow. This is amazing stuff. This is really powerful stuff, but so much of it isn't really relevant to me. I'm doing all this reading, and I've read the dental books as well, and all these things. And and I said, you know what? Wouldn't it be great if I could take everything I've learned, my journey from disliking, hating, not wanting to be a dentist anymore, the fear of having to go through another week, the fear of patients complaining about me getting sued, the GBC, all of that fear and anxiety about being a dentist. Uh, what if I can show people how I've built myself a career that I love? And, you know, the thought once upon a time, say, oh, God, I've got to do this for another 40 years, to now going, great, I get to do this for like another 30 years or longer if I want to. How have we gone from A to B? And if we can bring in all of this stuff from all these personal development books, I mean, my Audible, I had a look before to just, to just check. I'm on like two and a half months of listening time Wonderful yeah. now, <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow, that's 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 bonkers." What what speed do you listen at, Carl? One and a half to two times, depending on the the, uh, the speed that worse. the narrator talks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair news. That that has a, a strong bearing on it. You're right. Uh, but yeah, what if we could get all of that into into to like one book that's relevant to dentistry, and that can make a difference to to some dentist lives, and and you know help other people love what they do i mean there's there's that fear of of everything that that doom scrolling that we do through facebook reading everybody else's horror stories and the, and how unreasonable these patients have been to them and and all of how reasonable reasonable the principal's been to them or or the nurses all of this stuff all of these problems that we encounter you know what if we could find some way of helping people overcome these issues and grow stronger together and and really build this career this passion for helping people for dentistry for doing what we love because i'm not the only person who loves what loves what i do i know you do it's 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 obvious the moment you speak to you or listen to one of your podcasts and and there are thousands of other dentists who love what they do as well but there are many many other dentists possibly many more dentists that don't and you know this is not like a a switch it's not like you're either born to love dentistry or not you know, this is this is a journey you can go on and you can build this amazing career for yourself. And what I wanted to do was take everything that I've learned in my career so far and use that to maybe help other dentists get to the same place, that same feeling that I've got of going, great, I'm, I'm back in work tomorrow. I can, I'm going to do this and this and this, or, you know, I've got a new assessment. Awesome. What's this patient going to be like? You know, it's, it's a great feeling to have.
but it's not something that a lot of people do have. It's it's so true. And I think that's the, the number one thing going forward for, for the mental health of, of dentists, which is something we're going to uh, touch on as well. Uh, and I've always said, I've always been vocal about being, about, okay, not rather being, but uh, sometimes to know which direction to head in. You have to understand which direction not to head in. And the kind of direction we as dentists should not be heading in is the kind of dentist that as you're light curing, you're looking at the clock. Not because you're counting down how many seconds you're waiting for the, the light cure to finish, but you're actually generally waiting for the day to end. Everything that we should do should help us to deviate away from that, I think. And definitely your book is, it, it, it does that. And I've just chosen a few things. Now, you talk about uh, finding your passion, uh, and that is such a big part of it. And I just want to say that, or read out, or, or just some segments of it, just to put it in, in, in your context so you can explain more about it, is that the, what is the ideal work for every dentist? So you, you talk about how the work can sometimes be uh, on one uh, end of the, uh, of the spectrum, can be dull and laborious. Uh, and on the other end, it can be overwhelming and exhausting. So I'm just reading uh, certain parts of your, of your, of your book. And I love the, this term that you've used, which I've never seen related to dentistry before, and you use this term, emotionally expensive. And, and that is something that uh, I, I really love and I really connected to. So just explain a little bit more uh, about that in relation to finding your passion in dentistry. Yeah, I mean... Dentistry is exhausting. I remember that that feeling that I I still get tired at the end of the day today. You know, don't get me wrong, but that feeling earlier in my career when I'm when I wasn't quite so used to to talking to people and engaging with people at such an intensity and forming new relationship, it takes a lot of energy in your mind to to really focus in on exactly you know. <laughs> what each patient needs, what each patient wants. And you have to make all these decisions through the day, these diagnoses and, and everything about every step of the treatment that you're providing. If you're early in your career, you're not used to doing that. Your brain hasn't strengthened its muscles because our brain's a, a brain's a muscle in a, a lot of ways, like anything else. You know, if you want to get stronger, physically stronger, you go to the gym and you push yourself to your limits, you stress your muscles. Um, and you stress your muscles and they recover and they come back a little bit stronger. And our brain's the same. You know, you go to the you go to work every day and you stress your brain, you push your brain, you push yourself just out of your comfort zone and you engage with a few more patients and you on a deeper level and that's emotionally challenging at the start of your career when you're not used to doing that you can't go from zero to perfect straight away you have to build it up over time the key with finding your why is is when you're getting exhausted and when you've been you know on the nhs i've maybe seen 30 patients you know as in getting towards the end of the day it's it's having that resilience to get back up and go again and say you know what this next patient is now the most important person. It's, it's, it's challenging yourself to push yourself up to that next level again, to go again and to connect with that next person. How did you find your passion, you think? So just uh, taking bits and books, like everyone's got their own journey. So how did you figure out that the, the implants, the, the, the cosmetic dentistry, the, the rehabs, that that was your calling? And what do you say? And then we'll move on to the fact that the happiness doesn't necessarily come from just doing the kind of work that you do. Because the next bit I really loved was, I'm just going to read the bit I absolutely love, was that if you enjoy doing checkups and routine dentistry, 
the levels of challenge that brings, the stability, the income, and the freedom of not needing to constantly attend the next course, then embrace it and run with it. Man, I love that so much. I think a lot of people need to hear that. A lot of people who see Instagram dentistry and everyone's posting all these full mouth rehabs and people are swimming in Invisalign liners and stuff like that and filling up all these boxes of Invisalign. But really, you're just happy to be, provide a good level of care, which in some people's eyes might be basic, but yeah, you, you, you love that and you don't feel the pressure of having to go on these complex courses all the time, then there is a place for you in this universe is, is the message I got from that. And I think so many people would love to hear that. You know what? It's not, it's not, just, a, it's not just a place. It's not just a place for you. It's actually, that's the bulk of what we need in dentistry. That's, that's, you know, we yeah. don't need 40,000 implant specialists. You know, you can't, we're not specialists, but you don't need 40,000 people who can space dental implants. You don't need 40,000 people who can do Invisalign. What you need is, you know, maybe 30,000 people, 30,000 dentists out of the 40,000 dentists in the UK who are really good at being general dentists, who are really good at looking after their patients and caring for them and keeping them well-maintained, preventing general dental disease. And that's the most important part of dentistry. And I think uh, that, that needs to be said. So I'm so glad uh, we said that. And then on the opposite side, if you don't enjoy the routine stuff, there are many different pathways. Uh, or, or if you don't enjoy dentistry at all, you go into that as well uh, in your book because there's only so many other pathways within dentistry you can take from specialism to hospital, community, uh, research. But it's about uh, realizing that your happiness doesn't come from whether you're uh, in NHS uh, or you're in, in private or how you're remunerated. There's far more to it. So what I want to ask you is, Carl, when you were going through this journey in, in yourself, how did you realize that, okay, just doing the uh, general routine dentistry didn't quite cut the mustard for you and you wanted to put yourself in these extra courses, uncomfortable scenarios, complications, because with, with doing high level work comes high level complications, more sleepless nights, that needs to be said. So how did you decide that, okay, this is the, the pathway for me and I want to abuse myself in this way before I can become good at something uh, and provide this l level of niche service? Yeah, I mean... Just to pick up on something you said there, every level of dentistry has complications, okay? And the com what you've got to be able to do as a, as a dentist is be able to deal with the complications of the things you're doing. So the fact that, okay, implant, you know, yes, I place dental implants. Yes, I do sinus lifts and, and all of this stuff that comes with that. I, before you're ready to undertake that treatment, you've got to be confident that you've got a pretty good grasp of how to deal with the complications of doing that treatment. That's one of the, the biggest hurdles to overcome when you're pushing yourself to develop. Doing, putting an implant in, screwing an implant in, dead easy. No problem at all. It's, it's, it's chimp's work. It's, it's the old jokes about the, the, what you call it, the, the, the surgeons in the hospital, they just screw bones back together or whatever. You know, the, the chimps, they're, 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 you don't need any kind of special skills really to screw in it, uh, put a screw in a jaw. But it's dealing with the complications, interpreting the situation, doing all the planning and all of that stuff that comes with it. And no matter what level of dentistry you're at, if we can categorize it into levels, even for the general dentist, you're going to have complications. You're going to have complications. That MOD restoration that you've just done is going to break at some point and you're going to have to deal with that. Or you're going to go to do an MOD restoration and you're going to have to find that, that you're going to find that those cusps are really, really narrow, really thin, and they're going to break off if you leave them. You know, when you have to go right, you have to make that decision in direct and indirect. And so dealing with complications is something that you have to do at every point in your journey in dentistry. Coming back to your point about how did my journey lead me to where I am now? I never got to a point where I said, oh, actually, you know, being a general dentist, doing the routine dental checks and all of this isn't enough for me. What happened was I went to university 
And like most people, most students, most 18-year-olds go into university to study dentistry, the biggest exposure to dentistry they've had is orthodontics. So I went to university, oh, great, I'll be an orthodontist. And I got into university thinking, right, let's go and explore orthodontics, go and go and invest myself as much as I can in orthodontics. And I got there, I was going through it, I was thinking, this is really boring. Don't like this. <laughs> my opinion. That's just my perception of it. If you don't like dentistry, be an orthodontist. We all know that. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I went and looked at orthodontics and I didn't enjoy the orthodontics. So I was like, okay, well, what else is there? And I was going, and I was going, actually, I'm not bad at taking teeth out. You know, obviously, naive 21, 22 year old thinks he knows everything because he's been able to take out an upper six. But, you know, I, I was thinking, right, okay, surgery's possibly where it's at. And then these things called dental implants, 2009, 2010, they were really starting to take off. I was thinking, right, well, okay, how can I find out more about dental implants? And I was looking around at where I was going to go for my foundation year in dentistry. And there was this practice on the Will called Glencairn. And I was like, actually, they, they place implants there. They do a lot of implants. So the, the, the guys now, my mentor, my foundation trainer was David Speechley, a guy called David Speechley. And um, there were two foundation trainers in the practice. One was Simon Wright. Um, both of these two are now professors. And it's the, oh, the right. just, you know, so I saw this practice. Like, oh, you know what? They do implants. I had some colleagues in all the years that I knew from dental school had been there and said, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good practice to be at, get good exposure to all this stuff. It's like, you know what? That's, that's where I want to be. So I did everything I could to get myself into that practice. And when I was there, I did everything I could to shadow Simon and David placing dental implants. I thought, you know what, I, I quite like this idea of dental implants, filling these spaces, not having these flappy dentures all over the place. So I, I, I immersed myself in the subject as much as I could. And then come the end of my foundation year, I was thinking, yeah, I still really like this idea of dental implants. I'd love to be able to do this. So I got myself on a course and I went and did Professor Russo's course in dental implants in Manchester. And I did the year course and got myself some patients and Simon and David mentored me and and as, as it went along, I was just really enjoyed doing the implants. And I was still doing everything else alongside it, still enjoyed doing the other bits. But the implants, I was like, you know what, I really, really like this. And so I immersed myself in it a bit deeper. I went around and shadowed some more people. I went on more courses. Then I did a master's in it. And it just built quite organically. It wasn't ever the case of, oh, I hate that general dentistry stuff. So I'm getting out of that. I want to do everything I can to the implants. I still do dental health checks. I still look after a, a list of dental patients. And I, I love that. I love seeing the same faces come back every six months. The relationship I've got with them, checking in with the kids as the kids are now getting older. And uh, uh, all of, the, all of the, the, the beautiful things of, of general dentistry, all of those long-term patients that you see over and over again, I still love doing that. But I also really love the, the, the implants as well. And, and just so happens at the moment that more people need implants than, or more people need me to do implants and rehabs and things like this for them than general dentistry. And, and so the balance is tilting that way. Um, so it, it wasn't ever a point of going, oh, no, I've got to get out of that situation. It was just, I really love this situation. Let's find out more about it. Let's do as much to do with that as I can. And over time, it's just built and built and built. But you also did this thing whereby you thought it was orthodontics. So you, uh, you were proactive. You, you, did, you exposed yourself to orthodontics and you didn't get the same love back. You, didn't, you made a decision that actually this might not be for me. So it's not to say that, you know, if you're a young dentist and you're thinking, oh, let me try implants. And then you go to shadow someone and you might not like, enjoy it at all. And that's okay. 
they actually hire someone else who maybe does uh, you know oral surgery or someone who does endo and and you can visualize yourself being in that position so it's about getting that exposure getting that mentorship getting some uh, courses under your belt that are low level and then eventually you build it up to something like a master's that you've done it's a good way to progress and i guess it's not about uh, moving away from general dentistry it's more about finding a niche and an enjoyment of a, of, a, of a slightly more specialized area where you can you can excel in i guess that that's a, a good way to describe it and that's that's the biggest thing for anybody coming out of university now if they're if they're wanting to i mean i, I listened to your podcast the other day with pav about finding your niche in dentistry. And I know it's like an old one now, but it seems it was a while ago. But it's it's that finding what you love and what you really enjoy and what you're good at. And if if it is, say you wanted to be a general dentist, go and shadow some people being general dentists. Go and find some dentists who are working in nice practices who you maybe look up to and you go and see how they work, see how they operate in whatever it is, you know, go and find out more about it. Read about it, read papers, read books, go and shadow people, ask people about it, you know, speak to people about it, immerse yourself in that subject. And if the passion sticks, if you do it for a while, and it's still going strong. Great, do it some more. That is so true. And I think it's a point well made that we always think about shadowing people with a, an enhanced skill or shadowing someone who's an oral surgeon or an endodontist or, uh, oh, let me go shadow this person doing a sinus lift. But actually, uh, I remember vividly my experience of shadowing Rajiv Ruwala as a GDP when I was in my DF1. And I'm think, I was thinking, wow, man, this is a GDP who just did some beautiful crowns on the anterior. Now I've just seen someone for cobalt chrome. Now I've just seen a child. Everyone's left smiling. The variety is great. Uh, so that was actually a big part of my journey. So I think it, it, I just want to emphasize that, that if you, you know, give GDP a shot as well, give give general dentistry a good shot. Don't just think that, okay, you want to be different. You want to uh, be in that 7% of, of special services. 93% of dentistry is general dentistry. So embrace it. And you can still find your niche within general dentistry, like you have, Carl, but it's still, uh, it's still beauty uh, of being a general dentist. Now, Dentistry is, is part of our lives, and uh, I like the bit in your book about taking control of your uh, life and taking control of your destiny. So I want to ask you, I, I mean, I have some thoughts on this about in terms of how I've done it, but can you give us some examples of, uh, of you, Carl, in terms of how have you thoughtfully and uh, proactively planned your life and, you, and, and forced your destiny in, in a way that it has gone? Occlusion is just so confusing. Does occlusion even matter? Wait, don't you just grind away all the blue marks, right? You mean like plant it low, let it grow? Or leave it high and let them cry? Listen, what are these interferences even interfering with? Is it safe to lengthen teeth? How much can I raise my patient's bite? How can you stop your composite restorations from chipping? Can you raise the OVD on a patient with clicking TMJs? Is canine guidance always better than group function? Why can't I just use the dial technique on all my wear cases? Can I stop my patients from grinding? What the bloody hell is crossover? What should the occlusion look like after orthodontics? How and why do you check for frematis? What on earth is a custom incisal guide table? How do you use a leaf gauge? Do you always need to use a Facebook? Does everyone really need a perfect occlusion? What is the difference between edge wear and pathway wear? Is it naughty to adjust the opposing tooth? What the f is centric relation? Occlusion is coming. One does not simply just open the bite. May the force mitigation be with you. To make sure you don't miss the crucial update about the launch of our occlusion course, OBAB, head over to occlusion.wtf. That's right, it's actually occlusion.wtf. It's almost released and you're gonna love it.
So I really don't like goals. Okay. I hate I hate goals. Goals are for sport. Goals are for these finite games, football, basketball, whatever you want to play. It's where you've got a, a tangible goal. You're, you've got to score a goal. You've got to, you know, get a certain number of wickets in cricket. Whatever it is, you have a set goal. There's a set finish line. And that, you know, that, that goal gets you over the finish line to get your achievement. And life, dentistry, is not like that. There is no finish line in this. Okay, yeah, you might say when you die or you retire is, is your finish line. But you're not going to... You know, there's no, there's no end point. You, you don't, nobody writes their net worth on their gravestone, you know, for instance. So, you, oh, I want to earn this much money. I want to do this. Oh, I want to have this sort of practice. You know, having a set goal, I, I just don't get it. I've tried setting goals and I just don't get it. And, and it's, yeah, great business and all these corporate people who want you to do goals. Fine, great. Okay, go for that. But, you know, when I was starting out in implant dentistry, right, this goal, I'm going to set myself a goal of placing 50 implants a year. Great, let's do 15 plus six. Well, what, what does that mean? It means absolutely nothing because I could go around and place 50 implants into a piece of wood. Does that count? If I, could, if I go to the Dominican <laughs> Republic and place 50 implants into these jaws that are the size of tree trunks, does that count? If I'm in the UK and I'm, I'm placing implants, am I doing things just so I can get my 50 implants? Am I sort of maybe providing treatment unethically just so I can get my implant count up to place 50 implants. What happens if I'm doing really well one year and everybody wants implants and I've placed 50 implants, great, yeah, and great. so I can slack off for the rest of the year now because I've done my 50. Great, well, I'll chill out and then in January I'll start again. And, and this whole sort of defined goal thing doesn't make any sense to me. That is not to say you can go through life without direction. If you have to... Uh, have to have some sort of vision, some sort of direction that you want to take it. Otherwise, you are just standing still. You know, the one certainty in life is 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 change. Change is constant, which means if you're not improving yourself at all time, if you're standing still, you're not standing still. You're getting worse because everything else is getting better around you. So you have to constantly refresh yourself. You have to constantly improve your knowledge just to just to stay afloat in some senses. But so you have to keep an eye on your direction and where you're going and and. For me, with let's go back to the implants example, that was about not necessarily placing 50 implants a year, but to go, okay, well, I'm going to place an implant. I'm going to plan it meticulously, right down to what incision I'm going to make, you know, what local anesthetic, which sites I'm putting my local anesthetic in, where, and, and every tiny little detail, I'm going to take photos throughout that whole case, and I'm going to reflect on that case as well and every reflect on every little detail and when that case doesn't turn out 100 percent perfect because hey listen in 11 years of dentistry i've never done anything perfectly there's always something i could have done a little bit better in every case when it doesn't turn out perfect i'm going to look back through those pictures i'm going to look back through my notes i'm going to say right how could i have done that better and if i'm just driven for going all right well 50 implants and once i'm placing 50 implants a year i'll be a success then you're not going to learn anything at all in that process it's the process of how you get there and reflecting on that process and improving that process that will ultimately lead to you becoming a better dentist you know the goal doesn't matter the outcome doesn't matter you know goals when covid hit you know everybody's goals went out the window because goals don't account for global pandemics but if you focus on the process and your development and, and improving yourself day upon day then the outcome, the goals that you would have set anyway, you, you'll smash them out the park because day upon day, you're building yourself stronger. 
it's the journey rather than destination. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a million and one cliches that we can throw around of that sort of nature. Um, but it is, it's, it's, it's about taking the steps day in, day out to, to, to build yourself stronger rather than, rather than just focusing on that destination, that endpoint, because the destinations will sort itself out. If you've started taking the steps in the right direction, you know, lean your ladder against the right wall before you start climbing it, whatever you want, however you want to phrase it, it's about giving yourself the direction and, and, and implementing the process. So for me, that's not how many implants do I want to place next year, but it's if I continue to do what I'm doing now, well, what's my life going to look like in five years? What's my life going to look like in 10 years? Not in five years, I want to own my own practice. And in five years, I want to be placing 100 implants or I want to have done 50 full arch cases. No, no, no. It's if I keep doing what I'm doing now, what's my life going to look like? And if I don't like what I see, then you go, okay, well, what can I do to make that life in five years look a little bit better? What can I do today that's going to sow the seeds for the future? And the thing to get your head around here is there's no immediate payoff. You don't get this immediate mm. gratification. We love, we're in this world of, of instant, instant gratification. You know, you put a post on, on social media and you go, oh, great. I've got 10 likes, 20 likes, 30 likes. It's only been an hour. Oh, I've put a blog post out. Yeah. Like 200 people have read this blog. That's amazing. I've got this podcast and, you know, we celebrate the fact that, oh, you've got thousands of people. listening. Great. But it's what do you do? each and every time to make it that little bit better to add that little bit more value to the people who are reading to the people who are listening to you to your patients that you're caring for and you build those foundations and the rest takes care of itself i love everything you said and i just want to just, uh, uh, highlight the four questions that you've written uh, written your book aligned to exactly this theme and obviously you've covered two of those already so uh, what carl talks about in the book is how we can take control of our destiny and four questions to ask yourself is uh, if i keep doing what i'm doing what will my life look like in 5 10 20 years uh, number two is uh, how do i want my life to look in a year's time uh, number three is, what do I currently do that I hate? That's a, a really strong one. And lastly, what do I love doing and want to do more of? So, uh, I mean, to an example uh, of how I have used those questions, not recently because I've only recently read the book, but going back uh, maybe 15, 18 months uh, ago in my life, I'm just thinking, I'm in a scenario now where uh, I decided that, uh, you know, question number three, what do I currently do that I hate? I, I got to a situation, Carl, where I just didn't enjoy my commutes anymore. Yes, I was listening to audiobooks and podcast stuff, but the commute was long and I didn't enjoy the lack of time with my son because I'd leave super early to go to Oxford and then come back and by then my son might be asleep. So I was uh, mm. really struggling with an internal battle about not having uh, time with my son. So now I have a three-minute drive, but now I started walking, so it's like a 15-minute walk, uh, and, I, and I've adopted to the shift pattern work. So I found somewhere that does shift patterns. So I work, you know, work from eight till two or two till eight. The net result of that is I get so much more time with my son. I get to do the podcasting, uh, and I get to still work environment that allows me to grow. So that was one example of me deciding, okay, this is the, where I'm at, but I want to take, I want to steer my ship in a certain direction. So I would encourage everyone to, to, to get Carl's book, read that bit, and really just answer it yourself, reflect uh, on that bit, uh, and come up with how you are going to take charge of your own destiny, rather than allowing life just happening to you. Yeah, I mean, you've, 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 what you've also done there, which is the, another, in the essence, a lot of what the book's about is, is coming back to why. Why are you doing what you, why are you driving 45 minutes, an hour to work? every day and then doing the same coming home 
And what would you rather be doing? You want to be with your son. You want to be with your family. Of course you do. That I mean, I'm I'm a family guy. That's you know, you don't have to need to start singing the uh, theme tune. But <laughs> I, I I I what family's all. I've always known, even before I had kids, that family was the most important thing to me. And I want to do everything I can so I can be the best dad, the best husband, the best family member that I can be. And that involves making sure I spend enough time with my family. That means making sure that I do enough work to provide a stable lifestyle for my family as well. And, you know, it, it's it's about figuring out why you're doing each thing that you're doing. And you go, OK, well, why do I travel so far to work every day? I don't need to do that. What would I rather be doing? I'd rather be with my son. Right? What steps can I take to get myself in a position where I don't have to travel? I could move closer to work or I could move work closer to me. And, mm -hmm. you know, you've built yourself this this career, your skills, your persona, you know, you're well known in the industry. Everybody, everybody knows jazz now. Everybody knows jazz. <laughs> but you build yourself, uh, you've built your, your own personal brand up to such an extent that, you know, right now you could probably walk into a job near enough anywhere in the country if you wanted it. <laughs> I doubt that you know, very much, I, but I see what you mean. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but, you know, building your, your own skill set up and, and developing yourself personally and professionally gives you that freedom to go, you know what, actually, mm. I don't want to travel so far to work anymore, maybe a job closer to home. And, and I've laid the foundations to actually give myself the freedom to choose where I want to go. And that, that, that does make all the difference. I'm going to ask two more main questions from taking any direction we want. And Carl, the next question is, I love that you uh, mentioned uh, the book uh, Atomic Habits. It's, uh, it's also, uh, I think you probably told me about it some months ago. Really great book. Uh, I've been actually thinking about, uh, and we should probably do this, Carl, about how we can apply atomic habits in dentistry. And that is with uh, how we motivate our patients to how we motivate our staff members to how we can grow mm. as clinicians every day. I think we should do it, Carl. Let's arrange. Yeah, like, there's, there's definitely something there. A, 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 atomic habits in dentistry. I think we can do such a great job of that. But I want to just ask you, as a little flavor for what's to come, can you give me an example of how you've uh, implemented the power of atomic habits, either in your personal life uh, or at work? Because I know you discussed it in the book. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Yeah, I mean, Atomic Habits is, is one of the best books, the personal development books I've read. I mean, I've, I've read about it before. The whole ethos, the whole thing around Atomic Habits is, you know, making small incremental changes day on day and those changes if you can improve by one percent every day that one percent compounds and over the course of the year you get a three thousand seven hundred percent increase in your effectiveness whatever that might be and the point of atomic habits is is, is building those foundations so one of the example that i use in the book is is you know i i was i'd moved over to private practice and i'd been there for a year or two and i thought you know what what I really need to do to take my dentistry to the next level is start using rubber dam for 
pretty much everything, everything possible. And so one day I just decided, right, you know what? I'm going to implement this today. I'm going to start using rubber dam for every composite restoration I do. I was already doing it for every root canal treatment I was doing, uh, every inlay preparation, every inlay fit, you know, whatever. I was, I was going to use rubber dam for pretty much everything I could possibly have an excuse for using rubber dam for. <laughs> and, you know, dental health check. Yeah, should we use rubber dam for this? No, but <laughs> it, I, I was going to, so uh, it was a case of saying, right, okay, that's it. Flip switch. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. You know, and yeah, it took me a while to get that rubber dam on at first because I wasn't used to doing it as often. And it took a while because the nurse had to get it all up. But when you engage your team, you say to your nurse, look, I think we're going to do a better job for our patients if we use rubber dam because it's going to stop all that amalgam spraying all over their mouth. It's going to stop all their saliva washing around this filling while we're trying to seal it up. If we can do this, I think we're going to do a much, much better job for the patient. And, and, and that's also how you sell it to your patient as well. Yeah. Exactly, it is. And, and you engage your team with why you're doing it. And you say, this, this is what's happening from now on. We're going to do this. And so my nurse knows now every single time, every single patient, she's got the rubber dam up ready for me because she knows if that rubber dam's not on the side, I'm going to ask for it and she's then going to have to go and get it. Okay. Yep. Because she's already got the rubber dam out, it's dead easy for me to then go, oh, great. I'm, I've got the rubber dam there. I'm going to use it. Everybody knows we're on board. Okay, we're going to implement this habit. We're going to use rubber dam for everything. And in fact, it's it's more than just easy for me to use the rubber dam. I feel bad if I don't use the rubber dam because my nurse has gone to the trouble of getting the thing out. <laughs> so I know if I don't use that rubber dam now, I'm going to get the look and I'm going to get daggers because I've made her get it out for every patient and I've not used it. So it's easier for me to use it and implement that habit. It's, it's, it's it a way of doing do. accountability. Uh, and I'm the same. I, I, I use rubber dam for pretty much everything that I can. Uh, and the other example I can give to those uh, listening and watching uh, in terms of an atomic habit that you can create is those who are on the journey into dental photography and you've bought the stuff but you're just not in the habit of taking photos, well, don't be that dentist who, when you're ready to take a photo, you need to be like, uh, okay, let's get the mirror. Let's heat the mirror now. Uh, can you get the retractors out? Your nurse has to walk out. Now you need to get your lens and attach it to your body and then put the flash on. And then you're thinking, oh, crap, I forgot the settings. Don't be that dentist. Have the settings ready on, you know, in laminated or, or set on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the camera already. Have everything attached already, have the mirror on the heater already, have the retractors there and have this pre-chat with your nurse first saying, hey, you know what? I'm really serious about taking photos and I want to do this as much as possible. And then let's start by doing an incremental change by every new patient will get photos and then build up from there. And then every composite will get photos and then you will build and build and build. So that's another uh, implementation of Atomic Habits. So I'm so glad you mentioned that uh, in the book. And then now I want to move on to, because I want to do a whole episode with you about incremental changes we can make atomic habits applied to dentistry i'm so excited for that uh, we'll come but, back to that uh, one, i want definitely. to talk yeah we'll come back to that one and i want to talk about a really uh, I, i've saved the best for last because something that uh, i'm really really uh, keen for you to explore further is the support of charity from this book and in particular a very very i mean they're all charities are important but this is such a, a key charity i met jeremy cooper at the bacd and i said to him look i want to do what i can with protrusive to, to, to raise a bar and let everyone know that Confidential exists. So please tell us about why you chose Confidential and, and then uh, tell us about uh, you and your wife and how you know you are taking a direction in terms of helping people with helping dentists with their mental health. Yeah, I mean, my mental health, generally, okay, so I've never been formally diagnosed with anything, okay? But I have these periods of 
highs and lows. So almost like a very mild form of, of like manic depression. It sounds really dramatic, which, oh God, manic depression, oh. But that, that's, that's sort of how it goes. And it ebbs and flows. And sometimes I can take a long time for a while and then I'll have like a manic phase and then a, then a low phase. A, a, a GP friend of mine sort of said, well, it sounds a bit like what we call cyclothymia which is like a mild manic depression. And I started reading up about it. So I was like, oh, yeah, it kind of does sound a bit like me, really. It's almost like it's cyclical, it's cyclical, up and down. Call it my man period sometimes. It's, it's you know, <laughs> sort of hits me like a hormonal imbalance every couple of months and I just, and I, and I dip. And I've probably just offended 50% of your listeners. But um, yeah, so mental health has always been something that I've had on my radar and my... Yorkshire Lass, my wife, she's a psychotherapist. And so she's she's a counsellor, so she's dealing with... I with need to I have this uh, burning rage to know this right now because I have, I have a patient who's a psychotherapist and I have a patient who's a, a psychiatrist. I know psychiatry it needs medicine first uh, and, and basically they just give you drugs. Uh, what is a psychotherapist? <laughs> like, how does that, that differ? <laughs> All right. There's lots of different types of psychotherapists. But yeah, psychiatry is a doctor, a, a medical doctor, you know, one of the proper doctors, not those fake doctors, a proper doctor who has then gone and done psychology additional psychological training to become a psychiatrist okay a psychotherapist or a counselor is so in my wife's case she did a degree in psychology and then she did a postgraduate master's level diploma in counseling and psychotherapy now there's okay. a whole scale of different qualifications you can get as a psychotherapist from you know doing a weekend course and, you know, or, or going right the way to doing a master's degree and, and, and beyond. But yeah, so that's, that was my wife's path. She, she did psychology and then she went on and did counselling psychotherapy. And again, as there are different schools of thought with occlusion, there are different schools of thought within psychotherapy. So you have, you know, Freudian type psychotherapy, you have uh, Rogerian Carl Rogers, which is, which is person-centred psychotherapy, which is sort of what my wife's original training was in. You know, the, the fundamental principle being, you know, nobody's born evil, everybody's born equal. You don't blame the person, the perpetrator of whatever it is, or you don't blame the person for having said feelings or for the things that, you know, it's, the, it's, a, it's a consequence of the things that have happened to them and, and all of this, um, which is one school of thought appropriate for helping some people. There's things like transactional analysis and all these different areas of psychotherapy. But... Yeah, Marisa's training sort of originated in person-centered psychotherapy. But this this sort of combination of me having these ups and downs and actually being quite open and free to talk about it because it's something my wife and I talk about all the time. We deal with all the time because, you know, of, of her line of work. And in the middle of last year when COVID had hit and, and everybody was going, oh, it's okay to not be okay and, and all of this. And all of this was bouncing around the social sphere and everybody said, oh, it's okay to not be okay. And then you go, well, Everybody's saying this, but no one's actually saying they're not okay. And um, mm -hmm. I, I was getting a bit, I was getting a bit frustrated. It's like you know, everybody's saying it's okay to not be okay, and, and maybe somebody reading that hashtag somewhere goes, okay, well actually, I'm going to talk to my friend about this now, and and that's great. You know, you don't have to mm -hmm. do what I did, which is when you enter a particularly low dip. You write about it, you take a stupid photograph of yourself and then you post a blog about it on Facebook, which is which is what I did. And showing everybody, look, this is this is what it looks like when mm -hmm. I'm feeling down. Okay. And you cry and you're upset and you're down and you're hurt and you're 
and and a lot of the time for me it, it's a it's often a feeling of complete apathy a complete sort of devoid of any emotions and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out there because what people often in that situation do is go hey i'm great guys come on let's let's go and you, you g yourself up and you and you get yourself back out there and you put this brave face on and then you go home and cry yourself to sleep and you go right well this is this isn't good this isn't right this isn't healthy and and what i realized was actually this cycle that i was in i'm able to do something about it and i'm i'm you know i'm not saying everybody can you know there, there's a whole myriad of, of mental health conditions that you know we've got to be aware of but i realized there was this pattern to it and you know it almost for me was a case of i'd tick along okay and i'd get quite busy and then i'd go 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 and i'd basically burn myself out and i'd have a mini burnout everything had shut down i'd find it really hard to get out of bed i find it really hard to get myself motivated to do anything and then after a few days my body would go right uh, we've hit reset now go again but don't do that again carl that was very naughty and and hmm. And I realized I, I sort of, through my reflection, my personal reflection log, my journaling and things like this, I, did, I sort of started to see this pattern and this, these conversations with my wife that I was having. I was thinking, you know what? I can do something about this. So now when I'm getting to those points of, of seeing myself enter this little mania phase, I go, right, stop, slow yourself down. And most of the time, I can stop myself getting into that place. Well done. Now, well, yeah, yeah, go me. Um, but you know, it, it, no, I mean, it, I just want to it, just pause and say, like, thank you for, for for sharing this and putting yourself in a in a very vulnerable position. And I'm I'm sure everyone who's listening on their commutes have just taken a moment and maybe just gone, whoa, like to what you said. And I really respect that you're you're sharing this with everyone because I think it needs to be heard. Uh, and, and thank you for uh, you know telling us about your very real experiences. And and, and from there stems this uh, desire to to help uh, other dentists, uh, as you can say, in terms of through confidential. I mean, is that a service that you yeah. used before, or is that? So yeah. So let's get yeah get back to the get back to the point, Carl. The point no. the point is yeah. Uh, you know, not if I don't say this, who who's going to? If somebody yeah. who has a what I'd consider a relatively mild form of all of this going on, uh, who talks about mental health things all the time at home with his wife, and is married to a psychotherapist, somebody who 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 can help people like this and who regularly helps people like this. If I can't talk about it, who's going to? And maybe if mm -hmm. I can talk about it, then somebody else will have the strength, the confidence to come out and say, you know what, actually. I've been struggling a bit and you know, you're not going to shout this from Facebook or wherever the, you want to do it. You might go and talk to your wife. You might go and talk to your mum, your dad, your cousin, your friend, whoever it might be. That talking helps. And for some people who don't feel that they can talk to anyone or they've tried talking to people because, you know, I, I'm so, so lucky that I, I've married to Marisa because Marisa mm -hmm. knows exactly how to respond when somebody's struggling. And when I say to me, oh, look, I'm, I'm really struggling. And she goes, okay, tell me more. No judgment, no advice, no nothing. She just listens. And I mean, that's, that's invaluable. And what yeah. Confidential have set up, this charity, they've set up this, this helpline. So you just phone it and you can just talk to someone and they listen. And they're there they don't take you. any names, any GC numbers. You're just, you're just there at the end yeah. of the phone to, to speak to someone. They don't even know you want to know your name. Well, unless you want to reveal it, reveal it or whatever. They're just there to help you in a difficult situation.
I mean, that, that's, that's, that's exactly it. And they're, they're just there to support. And they're, they're dentists who have volunteered and, and they're just there to support you through whatever it is. And, you know, I was speaking with John Lewis, one of the founders of Confidential, and, and he was saying, you know, a lot of the time people are calling up about issues with patients, about concerns over the GDC, about, and those are people calling about just the overwhelming sensation of an inability to cope with life. And that gets people as well. Some people suffer with depression. Some people suffer with anxiety. Some people it's imposter syndrome. There are all of these things. Some people it's PTSD, you know, mm. traumatic experiences. And that can be a car crash. That can be witnessing a cardiac arrest in, the, in, in practice. You know, it can have a profound effect on you. It could be somebody suing you and going through legal proceedings. Mm. You know, that's mm. traumatic. Mm. Yeah. And, and so Confidential has been set up to help dentists and dental professionals who need somebody to reach out to, to talk to, they don't know where to turn. As I say, I've, I've been so lucky. I've, I've never had to ring Confidential myself, but I'm married to a psychotherapist. I'm, I know I can say anything to Melissa and she will listen yeah. and not judge me. And you know what? That's what you need sometimes. You just need someone to go, oh, okay. Yeah, Jess, that sounds, that sounds like you're having a really hard time. Tell me more about it. And, and, and that's what Confidential do. And, you know, in terms of signposting them to Confidential, you know, you're going to put the website in the show notes. I know you're going to of put course. the phone number in the show notes. But the phone number, phone number for anybody who, who is thinking, you know what, I, I need someone to talk to right now is 033-987-5158. You know, there it is. That number but, again is? You know, 033-987-5158. But yeah, it's, it's there. It's there. And, and they're there. And... The book that I've written is there to inspire some love for dentistry, it's inspire some passion for dentistry, but I don't want it to be one of these toxic positivity things that are coming out and saying, hey, look how fantastic this career is. You know, we should all love it all the time because that's not real. So there's a, there's a whole chapter in, in there dedicated to mental health. And that chapter's got a lot of stuff about my story in there, about how I experience it. That's not how anybody else experiences it, it's just how I mm. experience it. And it's got a lot of stuff in about other mental health conditions, you know, some stuff about, you know, small steps we can take. You know, there's no single cure, but, you know, we're not completely powerless to this, where there are things we can do to help ourselves. And there's a lot of stuff in that chapter from my wife and Marisa as well, you know, because I'm just a guy who gets down sometimes. She deals with this stuff all the time. Yeah. And she'll kill me for saying this, but she's the expert on this. She's, she really yeah, knows what course. she's talking about. And there's a lot of stuff in, in the book from her that I think will be immensely useful, both to anybody who's struggling with mental health issues or concerns they have. You know, you might not want to label yourself as having a mental health issue. You might just have concerns over your mental health, but it'll, it's immensely useful to anybody like that or anybody who's in contact with anybody who's struggling. Anybody who, mm. you know, maybe your nurse is having a really hard time for one reason or another. And, and she comes to you say, listen, Jazz, I'm really sorry. I, I just, and then they, 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 their eyes fill up and they, I just don't, I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. And on having some level of understanding of, about what that's all about and about how you can help somebody, I think is really powerful. And, and so there's a lot of that in, in the book as well. And as you said, all the proceeds from the book, all the profits from the book, everything is going to go to support Confidential. So it's sort of all going to feed back around to itself. I hope 
you read the book and you're less likely to need confidential but for those people who need it any or every sale of the book all the proceeds are, are going to go to confidential as well and that's that's I, 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 I would love you all listening watching to to show Carl your support because he he covers things it's just a beautiful way and Ivan it was he's, he's actually actually a really good writer I know you don't like to admit it and you might mentioned a few bits about your GCSE experience and whatnot but you actually uh, <laughs> I do enjoy reading your blogs and you actually have got away with words so it, it's great and you made me laugh a few times as well actually I'll We'll put that in there for you. Uh, you didn't give me that a few times. So, so thank you. Uh, and thank you for making yourself vulnerable, Carl, uh, on this podcast. I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. I remember recording the episode with um, Emma Courtney. Hi, Emma. Hope you're well in New Zealand. Uh, she's a fellow Patricia Rati. And uh, we talked about burnout and her experiences. And like some of the messages, Carl, I got after that episode. Like this, uh, this lady messaged me saying, I had to just stop my car, park my car somewhere. And I just had a cry. Because everything that Emma was saying was just describing her own experiences. And she, at that point, she realized, hang on a minute, I'm burning out. So if you are someone who's really, you know, been uh, emotionally affected by this episode, uh, and, and I hope that can only be in a good way in terms of, okay, we can identify who can help you, then please do make use of uh, a confidential. Uh, and I hope that uh, this episode will, will be a, a stepping stone in the right direction for you. Uh, and if you could consider buying Carl's book to, to, to read more and, and reignite your passion. And, and to anyone who wants to support Confidential in a way through buying this book, even if it's for a young dentist that you know and, and you, and you want to uh, inspire them, please do. So, uh, Carl, thank you so much for, for giving your enthusiasm, your stories, your motivational words, uh, and for making yourself vulnerable. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, I mean, you know, it's okay to talk, but then people need to actually talk to, to, to make it okay to talk. And so, hey, there we go. I talked. I talk. So yeah, you so the book, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the book is going to be out um, at the start of 2022. Um, did you have a name? We keep calling it the book, but we don't have a name yet, the do book. we? Yeah, so the book, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the book is going to be called In the Loop. Loop as in, in the loop. Loops. In ah, the loop. I like so, it. I like yeah, it. So I, yeah, so I have a sucker for a play on words like you with the bit between your teeth. But, you know, <laughs> in staying in the loop, the, the secrets to building yourself a, a fulfilling career as a dentist, for finding a passion. For I dentistry. love it. Okay. I love it. So anybody who wants to find out more about it, sign up for updates about the book, can go on to my Instagram, my Facebook, or on my website, my website, walkerfinch.com, all one word, walkerfinch.com, and you can sign up on there um, to get updates about the book. And read the blog post as well. They will keep you entertained and you get a, an idea of the reading style and what's to come from the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I put a blog out one, once once a week. Sometimes they're short, sometimes they're slightly less short. But yeah, no, it's it, it's good to just get out there and hopefully hopefully inspire a few more people just to to think a bit more and reflect on what they're doing and how they can build their own you know passion in in, in you know each day and build it all a little bit stronger atomic habits my friend atomic habits we have to do that episode uh, so i will be in touch yes. let's get a date in the diary to do uh, atomic habits as applied to clinical dentistry uh, we'll maybe cover some big themes some small themes uh, that's going to be a really fun episode as well carl thank you so much once again thank you well there we have it guys thank you so much for listening all the way to the end look if you like the themes here and if you want to get a book or if you want to get the book to gift it to a dentist that you know who just needs to hear everything that we discuss and wants to have a, a paperback book that they can sort of follow along with and do some bedside reading that's really going to work on their mindset then check out in the loop i'll put it in the show notes below and of course as always don't forget to rate the podcast on spotify or apple or wherever you listen to thanks again carl i really appreciate you coming on and for everyone else i'll catch you same time same place next week <laughs>